0: You are live with Get Connected, Canada's number one tech radio program. We're your hosts, Mike Agarbo and John Beeler. We've got a great program for you today. We're going to give uh, a few thoughts about the car technology we saw last week in Las Vegas at CES. Everything from self-driving EVs to cars that talk to you. We'll also uh, talk more about ChatGPT, that AI language model that is doing amazing and frightening things. There's, I mean, it just keeps blowing up all the stories. There's just so much to talk about. Let's get into some of the tech news this week. I I found this interesting. Uh, I actually was on uh, CTV news this week, talking about uh, this poor gentleman down in uh, was traveling out of Seattle. He lost his AirPods there and uh, he went to use the find me feature, which Mm. is an app on your iPhone where you can track down your Apple stuff. And it showed that someone had found them. And was basically going from I guess their house somewhere outside of Seattle to the airport. Must be a worker. Yeah. And specifically to the Air Canada area. <laughs> and so he's you know try to contact Air Canada. Yeah. And no joy. No. No. No they're gone. So here comes another story. Another BC man used air tags in his luggage. And a lot of people are doing this. I do it. I know. When we were traveling to Vegas you're just on your phone there charting the, the, I guess, the, the journey of your, your bags through the airport.
1: Well, it's really interesting because the way AirTags work is anytime they're near an iPhone, it updates their location. Yes. And so when you're sitting on the plane that you just boarded and you can see them loading the luggage outside, you actually get a real-time update when the lug- luggage is boarded on the plane with you. Yes. And you the Find My App will say, your luggage is with you. <laughs> Yeah. So then you think, you know, at least it's getting on the right plane. And if it's not, then you're kind of like, okay, I wonder where it's going to go.
0: Then you can stress the entire plane ride. <laughs> this <laughs> is true. Yes. So this poor guy, I guess, coming back from Mexico city to Victoria, I guess he got to his destination, but his bags were still 4,000 kilometers away in Mexico city. Yeah. And then eventually they ended up in Spain.
1: Yeah, it took weeks for Air Canada to, to they, they said the bags would be getting to him fairly soon, but nothing happened for two weeks. And then he was checking the app the whole time and they went to Spain.
0: Can you imagine Air Canada? That must drive them crazy. Everyone that's got air tags now in their luggage phoning them, My bag is in Paris or my bag is in Well, I mean it's accountability, Toronto, right? Yes.
1: I mean the thing is Yes, the AirTag is in Spain. It doesn't necessarily mean it's in your luggage, though. That's true. So the the thing that I do, that everyone should be doing, is not just put it in your bag, hide it in your bag. Yeah. You know, like inside your, like a, like a larger checked bag, it has a little zipper and you can actually get underneath the lining. Yes. Just like duct tape it there. So it's super hidden. It's not going to be like in an obvious pocket. And then it'd be very difficult for someone to find it.
0: Because it's just not loose in your bag. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But and
1: my, my backpack actually has a hidden little pocket for keys. And that's where I have an AirTag as well. So if my bag ever goes missing, the chances are the person stealing my backpack would never know the AirTag is there.
0: No. But it's amazing kind of the power it's given people. Yeah. That the airlines probably don't love.
1: Oh, I'm sure they hate it. They probably have some guy dedicated to just answering AirTag inquiries.
0: <laughs> well, if they don't, they need to have that person, right? Wouldn't yeah. that Wouldn't that help them though? Don't you think? Like this guy's luggage is... Theoretically in Spain, well, does not that help them track it down? They would never know where it is otherwise. Clearly. Yeah. Well, they they say that everything's scanned and tracked. Well, how did it end up in Spain? Yeah. Especially if he's, if he's meant to be in North America. I get it. Stuff happens, right? They're yeah. dealing with hundreds of millions of pieces of luggage over the year. Yeah. You can't tell me that stuff's not going to get lost along the way.
1: Or it falls off the conveyor belt or... You know, whatever. There's still people involved in the process too. It's not autonomous.
0: But yeah, they should just have someone that is dedicated to air tag (laughs) baggage,
1: or they make your, uh, you know, your little um, your baggage tag an RFID tag, so they can actually track that too. Oh, that would be. They could sell
0: that. They could. They could. Peace of mind insurance, almost. Yeah, I would buy that, wouldn't you? Yeah. You are tuned in to get connected talking all about the latest uh, tech news uh, this week. Um, some other stuff that, uh, you know, we're uh, looking into here uh, as well, Raspberry Pis. Do you remember those little computers, hobby computers, John? Of course. We've got I've got several in my house. I've created some media centers around them. A lot of people make robots out of them. Well, they've got a camera module for them as well. And they've just updated the camera mod, uh, module to have HDR and autofocus yeah. So just, this is like these little raspberry boards are like under 50 bucks, right?
1: Well, if you can find them. Yes. They're still a little hard to find because of the chip shortage and all that stuff, but, but yeah, these, these things are really handy for making your own like non cloud based, uh, security system too. Cause you can have a Raspberry Pi with a really high quality camera on it and you can, you know, put it in your house somewhere to monitor your pets or your baby or whatever, and you completely own that, uh, service and that network. And it's you know it's pretty much open source.
0: It's it's cool. Like you know if you haven't had a chance to monkey around with a, a Raspberry Pi, it, it's fun, John. And you know once you get going with it, a lot of the software you're using is free. Yeah. To make it do things like I've got a, a computer basically run off a little Raspberry Pi box. Yeah. I've got a media center as well that you know controls all my TV shows and, and movies. My uh, arcade
1: cabinet runs off a of Raspberry Pi. Oh, that's right. Yeah.
0: And it's no problem. No. This is like the size of a deck of cards. Pretty much, yeah. Running your whole arcade cabinet. Yeah. And And we've got those little Pi laptops as well. Those Pi laptops are great, yeah. Which are like an empty shell laptop. You stick this Raspberry Pi computer board into and boom. Yeah. You're running a a form of Linux, which is like a a Windows or a Mac type interface.
1: It's super familiar and it's, you know, super capable because you have all these open source versions of like Office and things like that. that, Oh, yeah. And you have browsers, you have all the creature comforts you could ever want. Yeah.
0: For basic stuff. No problem
1: for nothing though. Like comparatively.
0: Yeah. It's really amazing. Uh, Did you see the story about um, this poor um, black man down in the U S he was arrested by police. They, I guess they ran his face through facial recognition and they got the wrong guy. He was in jail for a week. Yeah. They ignored everything like his height, weight, he has a mole on his face.
1: So when we came back from Vegas, at the gate in Las Vegas,
0: the WestJet, the WestJet,
1: we didn't have to scan anything. They didn't take, they didn't take our boarding pass. They didn't take our passport. We just looked at a camera and we got a green check mark and we got to go through.
0: Where did, yeah. Where did they get that? I don't know. Cause I know Nexus. Yeah. I remember doing the scanning of yeah. the face. I don't remember WestJet. No. I don't know if it's where they're getting that info.
1: Well, the thing is, even if you're not a Nexus user, you still have to go through that system.
0: So, these police in Louisiana, they relied on incorrect facial recognition match to to get warrants and arrest this guy. So... Isn't that scary?
1: Well, yeah, but the thing is, you know, we got into an airplane without having to show any... I mean, we did have to scan our passports when we checked her bags. Yes. That was it. But just like this guy had the problem, what if we get denied at the gate? I mean presumably then they would actually look for your credentials right like yeah. your passport and your in your boarding pass but
0: so john I, I i love the convenience of that it was super fast but it's scary
1: yeah and we don't know where it came from
0: like yeah how did they have that data on our face presumably
1: through our passport information yeah but i don't remember checking that box <laughs> giving them do, do you know what i mean
0: like the permissions for that yeah yeah I just don't know where that's
1: and my passport's like seven years old too because I have a ten-year passport,
0: so like my face has changed a bit. I guess somewhere along the line we we gave permission. I don't know. Another quick story here before the break. Uh, Philips Hue—they're a very popular smart light out there. Uh, they they have some cool uh, syncing technology. They've got like these kits that you can wrap LED lights around your TV. And have additional light, so it kind of expands the lighting effect from your television. Yeah, the kits are you know four or five hundred dollars.
1: They're they're not inexpensive. No. no,
0: but now they've kind of built that capability into the new Samsung TVs. Yeah, so you can purchase some additional Philips light. You don't have to buy the Sync box, which saves you a few hundred dollars. But Signify, which is Philips' parent company on the the digital lighting side, they want you to pay one hundred thirty bucks for the app that makes it all work. That seems a bit steep. It does, John, but at the same time, because I have that kit. I know. So, several hundred dollars or $130? Do you know what I mean? I don't disagree with that,
1: but $130 for an app? That's a bit steep, especially if it's technology built into your TV.
0: Yeah, but if you can afford all the because the digital lighting, the Philips digital lighting, it's not cheap. True. No. And the Samsung TV probably wasn't cheap either.
1: Yeah, it's not the discount one you get on Boxing Day.
0: No, you're, you're spending probably at least double over the Chinese TVs like yeah. TCL or Hisense. Okay, you are tuned in to Get Connected. We've got a fascinating show. We're going to be talking about car tech that we saw last week in Las Vegas. Everything from new EVs to some uh, in-car accessories you can put into any vehicle. And we'll also be uh, discussing ChatGPT, that artificial intelligence that's uh, kind of blowing up right now. Exciting and scary at the same time. A lot of uh, new developments there. You are listening to Get Connected here in the Course Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. It's Mike and John here. Uh, as uh, longtime listeners uh, might know, we were down at CES last week, Las Vegas, checking out all the uh, tech trends. Uh, one area we didn't get a chance to cover in last week's show in great detail was car tech, which is becoming a bigger and bigger part of the program.
1: Yeah, they've actually sort of uh, outgrown the space that they used to have uh, for CES for automobile tech, and they've actually got this whole huge West Hall that we really didn't get a lot of time to, to check that out. It's just, it's just too big. You just can't see it all.
0: What I found interesting though, in previous years, it was all about the autonomous car yeah, tech, and that was kind of on the back burner now, because I just don't think it's happening as fast as all the uh, uh, autonomous tech companies and car companies would like us to believe.
1: It's hard. And we we found that out over the last couple of years, just talking to lots of the people behind the autonomous tech, how difficult this can really be, not just from a technology standpoint, but from a regulatory standpoint. But even something you and I have talked about quite a lot is how comfortable you feel getting into a car that's not being driven by
0: anybody other than a computer. I'm not there yet. I mean, in my Tesla, I have auto steer, which kind of keeps me in the lane and the speed. And I I love it. For me, that's a huge safety thing. Yeah. Uh, But having it completely drive on its own, I'm just not there. Yeah. Not yet. So what's interesting though, as well, is electric cars are just taking a long time to get to market. Yeah. And especially on the truck front. Yes, I know Rivian has uh, started production on theirs. They've got a few out on the street. Ford, they've got their F-150 Lightning truck. But again, uh, those are, Rare,
1: <laughs> yeah, they just can't keep them in stock the second they come they, in, they're they can't they, make they, enough, yeah.
0: And so, uh, Dodge kind of late to the game, or maybe not.
1: <laughs> well, it's I think it's closer to your heart now that you have a, a Dodge truck,
0: yeah. Uh, they uh talked about uh, they had a prototype a Dodge Ram electric truck, but very very light on any technical details like range and things like that. But if you if you google this thing, it is. It's pretty cool looking. It's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a departure from what a, a regular pickup truck. It's not like uh, Tesla Cybertruck weird.
1: No, but, but it's, it's a, kind of in
0: between that and a regular pickup truck.
1: It looks a little, looks actually a lot like a Rivian though. Yeah. It, what it looks like is what a uh, a production company would use as a futuristic truck.
0: Like in Westworld. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But uh, so they they were kind of more features on the overall kind of, look and feel on the interior of this, this truck. Uh, this has got third row seating, yeah. which I haven't really seen in a pickup truck before. No, And they've got all sorts of fold down things where you can put like full size loads. Like if you've got a bunch of two by fours or something, this, yeah. they can get right into the truck there. The sunroof uh, can do all sorts of different types of uh, tint adjustment on them as well. And the inside looks like something out of Westworld.
1: Yeah, I have to say all of these new electric vehicles they really do come with all kinds of cool tech inside and it's a long time coming i don't think you're ever going to see or maybe it's going to be a while before you're actually going to see an electric vehicle that just has like a bare bones interior because it just seems to like right now at least it seems like these all have to look like they're from the
0: future we talked a little bit about uh, bmw's i-vision d Uh, This D stands for Digital Emotional Experience. Uh, It's the one that changed colors on the outside. It's got the e-ink panels uh, on on there.
1: Uh, I think it's like 32 different colors it can be, but the animations that we've seen and the uh, sort of the build quality is so much better than what we saw last year with the gray uh, e-ink displays that they were using.
0: It is a, uh, I guess it's a prototype again. Uh, It is electric. It's got artificial intelligence built into it. It can talk to you. Of course. Yeah. When they, when they say you can talk to your car and it talks back, I just don't know how. It's just like Knight Rider. Is it? Is it? Maybe (laughs) they got chat GPT built into that. No, it's it's like
1: your smart assistant.
0: So let's look at some car accessories. Uh, Amazon, they've got their ring division. You might know them from the ring video doorbell and the different security cams. They've got finally a in car solution.
1: Yeah, and this was announced like more than two years ago, and I think probably the pandemic didn't help its uh, delivery, but uh, they were showing their dash cam. It's a dual-faced and can monitor what's happening inside and outside of the vehicle.
0: But this has to be connected to it, the internet. It does. Yeah, so yeah. to your smartphone, yeah. I imagine. Yeah.
1: And you have to have a subscription to their service, Ring Protect Go, which is $6 a month. Or is that
0: six- beyond the... The regular ring plan, I'm
1: not entirely sure if it's separate or if you can combine it. Um, but sixty bucks a year, it's not too bad actually for what it is. But again, I don't know everything about it. The um, it's available to pre-order in the United States for about two hundred and seventy Canadian. Yeah,
0: and uh, it it sounds. I don't know. Most new cars will have this type of technology built into them already, won't they? Somewhat.
1: Uh, Well, again, it depends on what... See, the the problem with the ones that are built in, generally you don't have access to it on an app or anything like that. No. It's mostly just for the purposes of um, like vehicle radar, that type of thing. But I suspect that you'll be able to to download clips from from their app and stuff like that with this. And um, also just remote monitoring too. Like it's kind of like a little
0: security system. But, how does that work like again, with the internet connection, right? So it has to be connected to the internet
1: well to to get it in real time, yes, but presumably you can store some of it on there, and then, as soon as it's you know if it's parked in your driveway, assuming you're on the wi fi uh, at home, you should be able to get it that way too but um yeah i'm I'm still not sure.
0: Okay, we're gonna have to take a break. When we come back, a little more tech to talk. Uh, also, we're gonna do an update on ChatGPT. GPT. Just that uh, whole story keeps blowing up. It's the uh, the AI language model bot. I don't even know what to call it. it. can write essays, can help you come up with marketing plans, help you code, and so much more. But there's uh, a whole bunch of uh, new stories uh, around that. and. Uh, a lot of people are starting to panic uh, as well. And we'll tell you what that's all about. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We just got back you know, this past week from CES, formerly the Consumer Electronics Show. I guess they're trying to get away from the consumer electronics side because there's so much more technology happening at these these shows. Everything from car tech to VR, AR, health technology. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, But overall, like what were your thoughts, John, on on the show? Was there anything, did did it wow you this year? I mean, it hasn't really been going full bore for the past three years.
1: A lot of people have asked me, what was the coolest thing you saw? And honestly, the stuff I saw, some of it was interesting. Was it the coolest thing I saw? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I still don't know. I'm still processing what I saw. But the big takeaway that I have from this year over last year, because we went last year and it was a very small... Uh, much more intimate uh, experience. But a lot of the stuff we saw this year was just the same stuff we saw last year shown to a bigger audience.
0: And even with the big guys that pulled out last year, there wasn't really much new. They're just kind of rehashing stuff they already have.
1: Yeah. I think partly because no one was quite sure how many many people would show up to this event. So, And a lot of companies, I think, during the pandemic realized that they can do just as well on their own with a virtual event or their own conferences than spending a bucket load of money to go to
0: CES. I think we've seen that with a lot of other trade shows and PR events. Cause as journalists, we get flown in to a lot of these things. And I thought once kind of the pandemic kind of wound down a, a little bit, you know, that would kind of open up again, but no, no, not, not really. Everything is uh like a zoom PR event now. Yeah because they save a truckload of money and people show up. They're just kind of conditioned programmed to do that now. Yeah. But yeah, for me, there wasn't a lot of wow at CES. No, a lot of the things, well, there was a few things that we
1: saw with our own eyes that last year uh, or even during the pandemic were conceptual and didn't actually exist yet. I'm thinking about stuff like, you know, like the ring, uh, security drone for your house, for example.
0: Oh, the, the flying. Yeah. Yeah. That thing was loud, eh? <laughs> yeah. So, we, yeah, everyone was excited a few years ago when they showed that at one of the Amazon events. Yeah. This drone with a camera that flies through your house when you're not home to yeah. make sure everything's secure. If you have pets, it, it's not going to be good because it's so loud.
1: The, the pets are either going to destroy it or hide from it. Crazy, right? Yeah.
0: Can I tell you the most exciting thing I saw? It's probably not that exciting to you. It was the, uh, the oh. food, the food cycler. This is an Ottawa company that makes this countertop food composter. They've done a deal with uh, Vitamix in the yep. US to distribute this to consumers. So um, essentially you, when you're finished dinner, you just scrape off everything into this, this unit. It's got like a removable bucket. And I mean, everything, it, chicken bones, coffee grinds, avocado pits, anything food waste. Right. And it will just do its thing for, I think, about four hours and just grind it down into fertilizer, which is kind of cool. Yes. So we've seen, uh, I think, in Kelowna, BC here, there's another company, Lomo. Yeah, we had them on the show. Yeah. So they've got a composter as well. Cool. But they have like a a monthly subscription. You've got to get special pods to help it break down the food. And you can't put things like bones and and coffee grinds into it. Right. Right. Whereas this one here just grinds up everything. The only consumable is this filter that's full of these carbon pellets right? that you can get off Amazon or I think even pet stores, like for aquariums.
1: Right, yeah. It's just a carbon filter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like that. Like they're not trying to douse you on all these extra fees. Do you know what I mean?
1: Well, that's the big thing we've seen in the last few years. A lot of companies will create a product and once the consumer buys it, that's it. Unless it breaks down, there's no more relationship. So everybody wants to have a subscription-based model.
0: Yeah, because it's reoccurring revenue. But I hate that as well because a lot of times it's just for the sake of finding something that they can ding you on.
1: Well, I, I especially hate it for proprietary things like those pods, right? Like even Nespresso and Tassimo and Keurig, I was skeptical of those when they first came out because like, well, how plentiful are these going to be? How easy is it going to be for me to get? Do I just have to buy it from one website? Can I get it on Amazon? Can I get it in my local store? Those kinds of things. And anything that uses the consumables always, like I take a step back and I'm like, is this really worth it?
0: Well, we're going to get the Food Cycler people on the program in the next uh, week or two because I I do want to learn more about it. They're actually selling these things on bulk to smaller communities. I believe Nelson, BC, yep. they bought 10,000 of them for homes there. Which is amazing. Yeah. And see, what's cool about that is it diverts a lot of that organic compost stuff away from the landfills. Do you know what I mean? Like,
1: And you said it's an IOT device as well. The
0: latest version's got um, internet capability built in. So the the city can actually see how much waste is being diverted. Which is a huge benefit for them. Yeah. Like, I, I just find that technology amazing. My only problem now, John, is because I, I told my wife about this, and she's like, hell no. You're not putting that anywhere near a kitchen counter. Because you know how clogged up the kitchen counters get. Well, you have every every gadget known to man. I know, but I'm not giving up my air fryer. <laughs> I, f- I got her to finally accept that. Yeah. Now she's So covered. the food composter, I don't know. We'll have to see. Alana. I love you. <laughs> we need to divert this away from the landfills. <laughs> okay we're gonna have to take another break when we come back we're going to be talking about chat gpt it is just blowing up it's that artificial intelligence that's changing the world for better or for worse is the question we're going to ask back after this you're back with get connected and what is the show without talking now about chat gpt this is uh, an ai or an artificial intelligence language model that can do literally amazing things it can write you an essay it can write blogs poems songs it can code and they're not monetizing it yet do you know i saw this story john you know, they're spending how much a day
1: three million a day the general consensus is from ai nerds is that it roughly costs between three and seven cents
0: per query that we're doing for free right now yeah and so they're hosted on um, Amazon web services. Yeah. So they're guesstimating it's about $3 million a day to handle all of those requests when you use it. Yeah. So that's almost, that's a billion dollars a year. Yeah. And no one's paying for that except the investors.
1: Uh, Well, the investors are, and they also had to spend a ton of money
0: building the system. And we're just on version three right now, right? Yeah. So four is coming out.
1: Apparently it's going to be a hundred thousand times more powerful than the current version.
0: So that's what i am been trying to get across here, John, both of us yeah. over the past six months with all these AI engines coming to the surface, the, I guess the improvements on them are exponential.
1: Yeah. The, the key thing to remember is this version that we're playing with right now, version three, doesn't have access to the internet and it's based on models from 2021.
0: So it's like almost two years old.
1: Yeah. The new version will have access to the internet. Plus, it'll be trained on, like I said, hundreds of thousands of more things than it was previously. And they're looking to monetize it and they're doing it in an interesting way. They're surveying the people that are using it right now, trying to find a range. They're asking questions like, how much would you pay for a service like ChatGPT uh, where you thought it was good value? How much would you pay and feel that it was undervalued and like, so they're trying to build a range to see what the the sweet spot is for what they can charge. Also, how would you feel if you couldn't use it anymore because it was too expensive, like if it was gone from your day?
0: You're creating a digital divide here again, right? Absolutely. If you can't afford to use it, the yeah. people that have money that can't afford it will have a a huge leg up. Yeah. Don't you think? Absolutely. Well, schools are, are freaking out about this. I mean. That's a whole show in itself. It
1: is. It's interesting. They have said, uh, OpenAI has said that they're going to put some invisible markers into their outputs, so that to make it easier for teachers to detect whether or not some an essay or some school work was submitted and created through AI. And over the Christmas break, a 22-year-old college student wanted to sort of figure out how to do that. He created something called GPT zero. It's a website. You can paste a few sentences from an essay and it'll tell you with a fairly high level of accuracy, whether it was created by AI or not.
0: <laughs> but don't you think the AI can outsmart that?
1: Well, this the, the, the workaround that I've seen online is people will create something in chat GPT. They'll put it into some other AI tool to rewrite it. Got it. And then it gets rid of those obvious markers. And especially if you, there's other tools that you can do, like you can actually give it a whole bunch of like, say our blog posts from our websites. So it can actually detect the Mike Agarbo voice or the John Beeler voice and rewrite those things in our voices, which will be much harder for a teacher to detect then so using the AI on AI output can actually hide it from some of these tools.
0: So some schools, school districts, for example, New York City public schools, they've blocked access to open AIs, chat GPT on their network and devices. Yeah, but so those kids all have 5G so they can just so they can just go on their cell phone, turn off the Wi-Fi, go to a Starbucks Wi-Fi. They can go to ho- go home yeah. and still use it. Yeah. So it's it, I mean, this is kind of an open war now in the education system, right?
1: Well, and Microsoft's looking to integrate ChatGPT, at least part of it, into all of their Office tools to help you flesh out your content.
0: So imagine that now, John, that if you've got this tool in your Outlook, yeah. your email. Yeah. Yeah. Write an email to John telling him, I need this, this, and this.
1: I mean we kind of already have something like this but at very very basic level in Google. Google will give you the ability to just click a yes I'm I'm in for that event or no thanks I'm
0: busy some canned responses.
1: Yeah. This just takes it to the whole next level.
0: Yeah, but cuz it can that, actually sound like, like you. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the Google's thing is not only caveman technology. Yeah. It's like the first cell coming out of the primordial <laughs> soup. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like this is, chat GPT's just at a whole level. Um, but then speaking of AI, there was another s- startup, John. Uh, they weren't using ChatGPT, but it was like an AI chatbot to provide mental health counseling. <laughs>
1: yeah, what could possibly go wrong?
0: So many things. Yeah. Like, why would you do
1: that? Because one of the things that we've learned about AI is that AI is very confident about its answers. Do you remember when you asked it to tell you about yourself? And it, yeah. it very confidently said that you were a Grammy award-winning musician.
0: And then when I did it again, I was an award-winning uh, film and TV star. Right. Very confidently. Yeah. And I thought, God, I, I, I sound great. Yeah. <laughs> but you updated your bio everywhere. I'm. Well, you said the next version is going to actually be able to get data from the internet. Yes. At that point, I, it's unstoppable. I, yeah. I mean, A, you weren't, you're
1: not going to be able to believe anything you read anymore because chances are it'll be written by AI. Robin and I were playing around in the studio yesterday. We thought, what if what if we could just get ChatGPT GPT to generate a whole fictitious product and write a press release for it? And then we used Midjourney to write, to actually create imagery for it. We did a solar-powered smartwatch. Okay. And it wrote some really great... Copy about this. And all I said is write a press release about a brand new smartwatch that's solar powered so you never have to charge it.
0: You could have got it to come up with a name as well. Oh, it did. It came up with its own name. Really? The
1: Solar. That's what I called it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. But that's not totally it's, bad.
1: No, it's not. And it was very believable. And then the thing is, I took the press release and I had to rewrite it in a fun and casual tone for a blog post. And it was pretty hilarious.
0: But then with uh, MidJourney, mid journey, you could get it to create images.
1: Oh, and I got some really nice images. Really? Of a product that doesn't exist. I could have had a booth at CES.
0: It's okay. So that, you know, from a product development standpoint, exciting. Yeah. But it's scary at the same time. Absolutely. But I guess if you are a product developer, you could just come up with these things and just put them out there and see what sticks. Yeah. Well, especially like do a Kickstarter around something you completely made up. The thing is, which I guess you do anyway.
1: But how many things did we see it, at CES that wasn't real? It was all, you know, magical concepts. Yeah. Some of it was physically there, but there was a lot of stuff that wasn't. We saw a lot of press releases for stuff that wasn't actually built yet.
0: Yeah. So it's just kind of accelerating yeah. the development phase. I'm just, uh, John, I'm, my, my brain is just having a hard time thinking out five years now with this type of, technology and tools. Yeah. Like how dramatically society is going to change.
1: Especially when you start plugging this thing into other things. Like right now you have to use the website and an account to go through and, and do all this stuff. Yeah. What happens when you can just use your voice and your smart assistant to do that? And other things like
0: it- Well Google is freaked out, right? Like you their CEO is basically funneling resources now into catching up, well, because they see it as their biggest threat.
1: Absolutely. And we've, we've talked about this because a lot of people think that this is going to replace the search engine as we know it. And Microsoft's talking about integrating it into Bing, which could actually make Bing take over Google.
0: Isn't that funny? Like just last year, you look at Google and you think no one can ever catch up on the search side. And now for the first time ever I think yeah there's multiple
1: some, multiple threats yeah I mean whether it's Microsoft or it's OpenAI There general.
0: there is a new Google yeah we don't even know about yet yeah. that could use AI to totally take over Google's reign yeah unless Google gets their act together can they can they
1: Well the big thing with ChatGPT right now it's free there's no ads and you get the direct answer you want right away You don't get that with Google. You have to sift through a bunch of garbage, which ironically was what Google allowed you to do when it first launched. It was better than the other ones because it was less garbage.
0: Yeah. But soon chat GPT will have garbage. Absolutely. Yeah. It's inevitable. Okay. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Don't forget to listen to our sister show. It's called The App Show. It's all about the mobile technology world and apps. And on tomorrow's program, which is uh, across the course radio network on Sundays, we're going to be talking, of course, about the latest tech, mobile, and app news. Also, a Seattle school district is suing the social networks. They're suing TikTok, YouTube, Facebook for hurting the children. We're going to dive into that. Uh, We'll also be talking about Android Auto. If you've bought a new car recently, you can either tap your iPhone into it or Android. Well, Android's got a whole bunch of new features that we're going to discuss. Stuff that you'll want to know about if you're on the Android side. And also a little bit about uh, Apple Maps. They've got some new cool parking features in the U.S. and Canada. Very cool. And finally, we're going to talk about a new standard for smart homes. We're all excited about smart home technologies from the robot vacuums to smart lighting. The list goes on and on. But it's better if they all talk to each other. It's kind of convoluted to get everything working together, especially if it's from different manufacturers.
1: Yeah. And that's one thing we did see at CES this year was that this platform or this standard matter was pretty much anywhere that you'd want to go as far as smart home uh, appliances, gadgets, fridges, stoves, whatever.
0: We'll be talking all about Matter, the new smart home technology standard. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together, including John and uh, Robin. We'll see you again next time.